0: Perspective on the hottest topics in the league. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to podcasts.
1: With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre sales to select can't miss events while supplies last, make every tap
0: music to your ears.
1: The I Am Rappaport Stereo Stereo Podcast. Podcast. Live! You're down with Rappaport. Yes,
0: I am. He's down with rapper port. Yes, I am. He's down with rapper port. Yes, I am. He's down with rapper port. Yes, I am. You better tune in. I am rappaport.com. Cause every single podcast, you know he drops bombs. I seen him on set, a season vet with true town. Catch him on his way to CrossFit. rocking the new balance. He asked me to do the track, cause he know I rhyme elite. But I'm just waiting for the Robert, Robert De Nero line, line, line of the week. week. Breakfast the champions, toasted bagel, cream, cream cheese and, and lock. This is I am rapper port. The show never stops. We might catch him out public stretching his knees but if you don't listen to the show yo Wig-a, please, this is the I am Rappaport podcast What's up this is Michael Rapaport on today's I am Rapaport Stereo podcast Meredith Grey is in the house from Gray's Anatomy the star Ellen Pompeo is on the show today Talking about what it was like serving Larry Bird during his CELTA career in Boston and not getting tipped. What it's like being the highest paid female in TV history, getting directed by Denzel, meeting the Obamas, and so much more with the $20 million woman. Ellen Pompeo is making $20 million. Dollars In her 14th season At Grey's Anatomy She earned it She talks about all that But first Me and G Moody Last name rhymes of duty Are gonna do our thing We have sick fucks of the week We have this We have that We have Lonzo Ball We have LeVar Ball And we have so much more On a smash mouth I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast Miles Jordan We got Ellen Pompeo On the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast Let me get something really 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 Funky Let's go There's no time like the present to upgrade your old, uncomfortable underwear to Tommy John, the revolutionary comfort company for the modern man. Tommy John is committed to providing mind-blowing comfort, not just in their underwear, but in all of their incredible apparel. Tommy John's innovative designs and patent fabrics ensure that your underwear will never ride up, the waistband will never roll down, and you'll never get that wedgie. Listen, i tried all kinds of different underwears. You know how I feel about swamp ass, okay? And Tommy John is the perfect fit. It is the perfect underwear. It's simply the best there is without question. They've got an entire line of comfortable clothing at Tommy John and includes undershirts that stay tucked, socks that never fall down and just wait till you check out their t-shirts. Imagine soft, smooth, luxurious fabric that never shrinks or never stretches out. That's precisely what you get with a Tommy John second skin tee. Plus, all Tommy John underwear is backed by the best pair you'll ever wear, or it's free, guaranteed. So you have nothing to lose. Hurry up to TommyJohn.com slash butter, B-U-T-T-E-R, and get 20% off your first order. That's TommyJohn.com dot com slash butter for twenty percent off Tommy John the best underwear the best t shirts the best socks in the world go to Tommyjohn.com dot com. All right, CIN Rapport Stereo Podcast. Have no fear, the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast is here. My name is Michael Rappaport. I'm in here with the three-time podcast co-host of the year. Yep. Name is Gerald Moody. And uh, you may or may not know that the last name rhymes with duty. That's a fact. Show. Sure. We are the Disco 2. Um, we are the epicenter of all things podcasting. Um, if you've never listened to the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast, and I suspect there are a lot of you out there, we do not fact-check at the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. We pride ourselves on being the only place for a non-fact-checking, hard-hitting, smash-mouth podcast experience. Mr. Moody is on the West Coast.
1: Yeah. Uh, how was your trip? East to West Coast? Oh, excellent. No uh, turbulence. It was like uh, just riding on a cloud from New York to L.A. Can't complain. Pilots did their thing. I want to shout them out.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're pretty generous with the shout-outs if they get you there safe. That's pretty much... You don't have, like, a high standard. You're like, just get me there safe, yeah. and you'll get a shout-out on the worldwide
1: phenomenon. If it's no bumps, I'm happy, man. I could... I could make beats. I could, uh, you know, talk to the passengers. When when it's turbulence, I get freaked out, man. <laughs> did Did you have any incidents on the plane? Did anyone, um, uh, any no, fights no. on
0: the plane with any any passengers? Anybody doing any stretching uh, in the
1: aisles? Any no. uh, any issues? The seats were issued, so there's really no beef. When the seats are not issued, that's when you have a gold rush.
0: I I, so, I don't know why they would do that. I don't care if it's like. LA to, to to San Francisco or a short flight like that. There should always be issued seats. Yeah. And it and yeah. it's it's the same way as if you're flying from, you know, LA to Hong Kong. Is that way everybody gets to the airport? They know what they're getting. If you if you don't like your seats, try to change it. If you can't change it, get a different flight. That's
1: that's correct.
0: Especially in, in this climate where everybody's you know scrapping and fighting kicking and screaming uh you know on flights and people are you know bringing gerbils and hamsters on the plane and then getting upset. You know, we caught a lot of flack. I don't know if you saw it. Some people complained to me. Me, Michael really? Rappaport, the Gringo Man Dingo, aka Mr. White folks, that I said that the kid, the girl who brought the the hamster on the plane last week was the sick fuck of the week. A lot of people said, How dare you make her the sick fuck of the week? It should have been the flight attendant that made her flush it. No. <laughs> we are living in a society where you, people just think that they could just do what they want, and not follow the rules, and get a little Twitter feedback and shit's all good. No. <laughs> That's not how it works. Shit's all right. good. I stand by that girl. Bringing the hamster on the plane as the sick fuck of the week. Yes. Don't cave in. What kind of contamination, disease do you think a hamster uh, could cause on a plane? We don't know what kind of hamster that is.
1: That's right. Yeah, you might infect the whole aircraft on some bullshit. Flush money down the toilet so we could go to the tarmac and get off.
0: That's it. We don't want any incidents. People want to get to where they need to get to and get the fuck off the plane. That's it. Yeah. Um so I didn't tell you this, Gerald. Yeah, let me hear this, man. So you you actually might have been the first person that ever heard the term intermitting fasting. I, I said that. That's yes. how I get down. I just said that. I just said all you right. were the first me, person that I just give said me it. props. I just <laughs> said I just gave you the props. Alright, alright, alright. I just gave you the props. Uh-huh. So <laughs> as Uh, The listeners may or may not know, and there are many listeners, and we got a ridiculous episode. We have another ridiculous actor guest. Okay, the $20 million woman. Where? Damn. Okay, from Grey's Anatomy, and she's she's a grade A shit talker too. Ellen Pompeo. She now makes $20 million a year. She's been the star of Grey's Anatomy for the past 14 seasons. She's from Boston. She talks shit. She's fearless. I love her. Great interview. Okay, because people were raving and and reviewing the Robert Patrick actor interview. Well, we got a whole lot more. Okay, Ellen Pompeo. She's just the highest paid actress on a television show ever. Okay, and she she came to the I am Rapport Stereo podcast. She came, she saw, she conquered. That's coming up in the show, but before we get to Ellen, okay, and Gray's Anatomy, and you know the question I asked her straight up, you know it's like a philosophical question. Yo, what would you do if you had twenty million dollars? Well, I asked her. She actually is making twenty million dollars a year. It's documented. We talk about all that, but back to the intermittent fasting. So I have ulcerative colitis. Amongst other things, amongst a whole list of things. (laughs) My health is fine, but, you know, if you've ever spent uh, time around Michael Rappaport, there's a festivity of sounds, snorts, coughing, and moaning. Uh Okay, but but I've suffered from the ulcerative colitis. So I talked about it last uh, month um, that I went and got my uh, colonoscopy. Okay, fortunately, there was obviously uh, no cancer, knock on wood that's wood um and there was nothing Ugh. serious my ulcerative colitis which i've been dealing with since i'm 19 since i'm 17 you know there was a little slight inflammation whatever so i started talking to my doctor i go listen doc i've been dealing with this shit literally for so many years i know my body i feel good i need a certain medication yada 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 he says i'm gonna give you medication blah 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 this that, and the other thing he goes You know, I want to talk to you about a couple of things, though, that normally doctors don't talk about. So he starts talking about the possibility of marijuana uh, and all that, but that may (laughs) or may not be proven. I go, listen, doc, I smoke my shit, okay? And if you're encouraging me to smoke it, I'll smoke a little bit more, okay? But the thing doctors don't normally do, medical doctors, they don't usually discuss dietary things. You know, they're, they're medical doctors, so they talk about medicine, So he starts talking about certain things that I shouldn't eat. Um, He starts talking about probiotics and turmeric, how it helps inflammation in the body, so on and so forth. And then he goes, there's a diet by a doctor um, who works over at USC called the Prolon Diet, P-R-O-L-O-N. And he's telling me this in front of my wife. And he goes, he's, he's explaining, he goes, when the body is about to starve, when the body doesn't eat, Three or four days into that process, the body prepares itself to die. This is a doctor saying this to me. I go, whoa, whoa, whoa. What the fuck are you talking about? Prepares itself to die. He goes, let me explain. He goes, this diet, it's a form of a fast, and it's a form. It's an extreme form. You can't do this all the time. It's a five-day diet. It's an extreme form of a fast that sort of tricks the body into preparing itself to die. And and I go, I don't like that you're saying this. Prepare yourself to die. I go, what the fuck? What kind of doctor is it gonna suggest that I eat or don't eat and prepare myself to die? And he goes, let me finish. My wife says, let me finish, shut up. So I'm sitting there and he goes, basically, when the body is starving, when it's when it's being when it's not being fed with its needs, um, it'll get rid of old cells, okay, in the body. And, and it'll start creating new cells. So basically, if you have something like I have with the ulcer of colitis, it sort of like can flush out the bad cells, bad toxins, but the bad cells in your body and recreate and reform new cells. Okay? It makes sense. So I read yes. up on it. Uh, the, you know, it's, obviously, it's totally legit. It's a, it's a doctor out of USC. Um, I've done these juice cleanses before, but this is a little bit more um, – it's a little bit more it's a little stricter. So I I started uh the other day and I am now on day 3 of my prolonged diet and I got to tell you something. I got to tell you something. So far so good. Okay? And you eat nothing, okay? In the morning you get some fucking soup. Okay. Oh
1: my good. Wait. Stop. Fuck this now. Stop. Uh, hold on. I told you. I told you this fucking. I told you this fucking diet. two years ago, and I was laughed and ridiculed and mocked. And you're saying the same fucking no, thing that I this told is, you this is two severe. years ago. This is
2: severe. Two years ago. Oh, this is severe. Two years.
0: Go. Go. ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> this is severe. <laughs> so. So in the morning, you you have like this. It's packaged. Everything is packaged and rationed out. In the morning, uh, the first day, I had a little soup. And a bar. Now the first day it's easy. It's like you have a little soup, you have a bar, and then they have a, a morning snack. And I, for some reason, this particular diet is a is very fixated on olives. But everything comes. So I'm eating like eight olives out of a bag. Which is fine, like, okay, it's eight olives, it's very salty, it's very, it's very tasty. And then for lunch you get one of these bars, and then later on you might get like uh, four or five more olives out of a fucking bag. Now, I have a problem with food and bags. I have a problem with wet newspaper, the smell of old school band-aids, and food being next to paper. Anyway, when you're not eating shit, you learn to appreciate those eight olives in a bag. You you really start to appreciate them going into day two, you know, 3.30 in the afternoon. Okay. But the second day, I woke up very irritable. Now, again, Mr. Moody, you know this very well. Anybody who who knows me, um, even peripherally, knows um, that I might be the temperamental type. Uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: So you can only take you in doses, man.
0: <laughs> I, I'm not arguing with you again. All right. Go ahead. I'm not arguing with you again. I, I am very temperamental. But I feel good. Now, the problem with day two and my temperamental behavior of day two is that I wake up a lot of times during the year when I'm eating like a pig, temperamental. Now, I can't figure out right now, as I am recording this I Am Rapport Stereo podcast, if I am being overly temperamental because I have been eating olives, soup, and little fragments of health bars, or because I'm just me. I'm fucking confused. I went into Target today, Gerald. Now, okay. Target used to be a place I used to look forward to going to. You could go shopping, especially when you have small kids. You go in there, you get all your soaps, your toothpaste, you get all your, your paper towels, all your facial facial wipes, everything you need. You have, they have everything in Target, correct? Yes. It's turned into a shithole in there. The Target on uh, La Brea and Santa Monica... Hey, went down the toilets. They used to have great customer service, great vegetables. It was going in there today. uh, It was like gladiators. People were in there fighting, uh, screaming, all different languages. I mean, it's a real hub. If you really want to get to know what it's really like in America, you should go into Target because you have all nationalities, all greedy as fuck, all trying to save a couple of dollars And their true colors come out. The workers don't like the the, the customers. The customers don't like the workers. It's a real shit show in there.
1: Okay. And I'm hopped
0: up on olives out of the bag and and soup for the last three days. So I'm struggling, but I I hope, you know, I'm doing this uh, for my health. You know, not for any any, um, dietary reasons. You can't fix perfection. You look at me. You see me. I, I look beautiful. Uh-huh. My skin is glowing and all this stuff. And hopefully, this will help prompt some new cells in my body. And, uh, you know, I just wanted to keep everybody a- a- abreast. But there's a couple of times where, you know, you you lay down because you feel like you haven't eat, eaten properly, and you start to see, like, that yellow light. Like, I thought I saw Tupac. Yeah, I-, I, <laughs> I saw I him at the fucking end of the tunnel, like, come with me. Like, I'm not fucking coming with you. I'm going to go downstairs and eat a health bar and some... Uh, Hibiscus tea.
1: Oh man, I feel I feel for you, but I, I I tried to get you on this and and you 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 it, it takes someone else to tell you what I've been telling your ass for two years intermittent fasting and it works and now you're on it. So once again, if it ain't the predictions, me getting it correct, it's diagnosing. <laughs> it's diagnosing. Yeah, but, but if you your ills.
0: if you intermittent fasting and you're eating fried chicken. At 8 p.m., you're like, "Oh, I'm not eating anything until noon the next day." I don't do next that. Day I do soups. beans, rice, and plantains.
1: That ain't I, I, good fasting. No, I do soups. Now you're on soup. Anybody that knows me, tomato soups. My body, the intestines, the system isn't designed to work 24 hours. I knew that 10 years ago, and now you're fucking getting on it. But it's great that you're getting on it. So no more coughing, no more hacking, no more spitting. Good. Thank you. Thanks for your encouragement. Um
0: the Cavaliers, they they won they won one game. They made their big trades, which we discussed the other day. They traded uh what do you call Isaiah Thomas again? Uh tattoo. They traded him to the Lakers, they played the Celtics, they won one game. One
1: game. And everybody was energized. I told you. I told you when they make the trades. LeBron is going to be more energized because he knows what he needs to complete the job. And they, and since he's he's the the alpha dog, the management listens to LeBron because without LeBron, you ain't making the playoffs. So if, if this guy says, "Yo, we need to get these guys out of here. Dirk Rose with his fucking hair, get him out. Get these other people out, and get some young guys in. And I'll take these motherfuckers to the promised land. Guarantee you, that's going to happen." Wait, you're predicting a championship again? I already predicted that.
0: Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, that was one game, Um, and I I know better, Um, and I don't know why uh, everybody else is trying to act like one game versus the Celtics on a Sunday uh, it, it, everything's all hunky dory.
1: But but I understand why. Look how happy and energized the new guys That's were. Fake happiness. He's like, oh, they're like they're like doing new handshakes and all this. The shit. new guys. Not they're LeBron, fake. The these new guys, guys. These
0: guys are like what the fuck, man? I just got here. I can't remember the handshakes. Stop putting put me
1: on <laughs> no. the spot like that. Larry Nance. These other guys. They was on losing teams, and and now you were, Now you were the top three player. Yo, you might get a championship. Yo, you feel energized,
0: Larry this Nance guy, and those guys. They were in L.A. Now they're like, "Holy shit, it's February." Le- I'm in Cleveland. I haven't. I, I, I can't get a good meal here. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like a listen. They got a long way to go before they figure everything out.
1: But all that cheering on the sideline, and I'm with that. That's teammates, man. You play ball. Oh, oh, but you were the guy talking about motherfuckers in the locker room. No. You're the motherfucker <laughs> causing trouble. But when you see a team together and they're pulling for one another, that can tell you. That's indicative of what's going to happen. That was fake. That was uh, fake happiness, man. Nah, nah. And, and, and I, I wanted guy. to ask you this. I wanted
0: to ask you this, Gerald. Go since ahead. you're such a big LeBron fan. mm mm-hmm. um, A do-rag uh, that yes. uh, you wear on your head. Yes. This is to lay your hair down
1: yeah, in we hopes. This.
0: In hopes. <laughs> okay, but I just want to
1: backtrack this. In okay. hopes that you get waves, right? That that's the whole purpose of the do rag. Is to is to lay keep your head or uh, the hair follicles laid down so it gives the appearance of waves, three hundred and sixty waves. So you don't mess it up when you go to sleep. You take it off and it's all still flat. I want somebody to talk to
0: LeBron James about retiring. His fucking do rag.
1: Yeah, yeah. I have he should never
0: seen a guy rock a do rag as much as him, in the hopes of making what happen. You ain't yeah, got. You ain't got waves, Duke. You got a mop. You 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 got a dam. You got yeah. divots on your shit.
1: Yeah, yeah. The only he's...
0: person, the only people who should be rocking do rags are people with hair. <laughs> you don't have yeah. hair. Why is this guy? Every time you see him, he's not on the court. Pre-game, locker room, post-game—he's rocking a do-rag.
1: I—I couldn't tell you that, but it's—it became a style thing too. It used to be you take it off, boom, you go out. Now people rock them as like a style thing. But I don't know why he wears but, it. But but this is LeBron James. It's a style thing for
0: kids, and it's a, and it's a style thing to get your hair laid down. You're not—you're not that dude. You're—you're <laughs> you're not that dude. Why do you have a do-rag
1: on? I want you to talk to your man. Talk to your man about, like, yo, shut it down. Yo, let me tell, let me tell. LeBron, when you pass Magic Johnson in assists, take the do rag off.
0: Just shave your head, mommy. You look
1: fucking batshit crazy with the do rag on. You're not getting waves. Yeah. Parlay that balding spot that everyone can see parlay that into a uh, some type of endorsement deal. Exactly. Flip yeah. it
0: like you flipped everything else. Wait yeah, till your teammates get to know the real you come mid-March, early April. This little shenanigans of cheering each other on, that's going to go
1: right out the window. You heard what George Hill, you heard what George Hill said. What did he say? He said George Hill said he's the Batman and we we all just got to be Robins. The people who play ball know what the caliber of player this guy is. They know. We're just like, yo, we gotta we gotta help this motherfucker and we can win a championship. Okay. This guy will pass first. Okay. Okay. <laughs> they know.
0: Um, I wanna give a preview. Uh this Friday. Uh the Friday episode. You as you know, we dropped three episodes per week. Um On Wednesday in primetime, we have Muggsy Bogues, the Muggsy Bogues, rocking with us on the I Am Rappaport Stereo Podcast. I am hyped about that.
1: Man, Muggsy. (laughs) Muggsy? Muggsy should be a Hall of Famer. He should be a Hall of Famer. He should be a Hall of Famer, man.
0: Um, And then then on Friday's episode, I don't know who the guest is going to be or if we're going to actually have a guest, um, but Friday's episode Me and G. Moody, last name rhymes with duty, are going to be giving a full review, a full in-depth review of Lonzo Ball's first CD. He's dropping his first CD on Friday the 16th. Yeah, Born to Ball. Born to Ball. He's got like a a track list. He has the, the goal. He's got the ego to think that he should drop a fucking hip-hop CD during the (laughs) middle of his rookie season, which has been far from easy.
1: Yeah. Disappointing.
0: You're still (laughs) shooting jump shots in a slingshot form from the left side of your head, and during All-Star Week, you want to put out an entire CD, not just a little mixtape song, a fucking CD well, the I Am Rap Stereo podcast will be there first boots on the ground to yeah. review it song after song, track after track, lyric after lyric. And I don't want to hear any shit. And we're going to listen to it a few times as unbiased as possible. This is yeah. hip hop. I don't want to hear, "Yo, it's a 20-year-old kid." Special Ed,
1: Rock K- K- was the, 20.
0: Special Ed <laughs> made one of the biggest songs I got it made while he was still in high school with me and Gerald at Erasmus Soul High School. Q-Tip wrote Bonita Applebaum when he was 17.
1: Yeah, Rakim when he was 19. Big Daddy Kane, 19. So Illmatic you, your...
0: came out when Nas was 19. He wrote the record when he was 16, 17, 18. Dropped it when he was 19. There ain't no age in this hip-hop. Shout yeah. out to Chi Ali. Age ain't nothing but a number. You're Word. getting the full review, the full Word. Iron
1: Rappaport Stereo Podcast review. Yeah, we don't discriminate, man. Oh, you can, no, you, no, no, no. You can rock this shit 14, man. You no, no, no. You can be no, dope no. at 14. <laughs>
0: Roxanne Shante, she was like 16 when she was doing her thing. Yeah. You want to put out an entire CD during your rookie season, during your uneventful
1: rookie season, during All-Star Week? Well, I can't wait to hear it, me amigo. I'm a consumer, and I'm going to judge it, and I'm going to be fair. Oh, yeah, we're going to be really fair. Yeah, we'll be fair. Uh, speaking of the Ball family,
0: your guy Lonzo, uh, LeVar Ball, he just said this the other day. I want all three of my boys to play for the Lakers. But if that does not happen, I am telling you what's going to happen first. If they, meaning the Lakers, if they don't take Jello this year, I bring back Jello over here to Lithuania to play with Melo for two more years. Lonzo will be on his third year, and I want to let every NBA team know that Lonzo is not going to re-sign with the Lakers, but will go with any team that will take care of my three boys. That's uh, my plan.
1: Oh, man. If
0: I'm the it, Lakers, I, I, I trade this guy where he still has some value left. Damn. So Let's you're basically go. trying to strong-arm the Lakers. If you're going to take one, you got to take them all.
1: Yeah. I'm going to tell you they... something
0: right now. Unfortunately, Jello Ball is not going to be in the NBA. That, that That's my scouting report. <laughs> no, I've watched him play. Th- th- he's not going to be an NBA player.
1: He's like, they have to play with one another for them to be in the NBA. That's what he's trying to do.
0: Well, you could take that to AAU. Take yeah. it on the road. Have them be a touring family basketball team out throughout Europe. Barnstorming Europe. <laughs> yeah, they're like the fucking Beatles of basketball. He's basically, he, he threatened, he said, if they don't take all of them, you get none of them. Right. Trade this guy now. Trade him. You could get some value for Lonzo Ball. This is only going to get worse, and it's going to only get realer if, I don't know about the youngest one, the one who looks like uh, Teen Wolf, but the kid Jello, the one who was thieving <laughs> over there. Oh, he uh, he, he he's boosted. not. He don't have an NBA game,
1: man. If you could accomplish that, man, you're you're great. But man, I don't I don't know how that could be done. I think he's hurting. Man, they, that's clown shit. It seems kind of clownish right now. He
0: said, "We don't have to go to any draft. Just sign him in a
1: free agency. You don't
0: have to give Jello fifteen million. Give him a million dollars for three years. We'll take it because they make so much money off the court. They lose spare change,
1: right." Lose, <laughs> yeah, that's spare change. Okay, he said. He said the salary of the NBA is spare change.
0: Okay, but he's dead ass. Yeah, he's bugging. He's wilding for the night. Um, yeah. That's the uh, the the ball uh, the the ball family update uh, of this I am Rap Poor Stereo podcast. Um,
1: what else you got, Mister Moody? Oh man, um, shit. Oh, you was talking about diets and shit, and you know, uh. Khloe Kardashian had a, a a diet that she had broadcast or whatever, and a registered nurse tried to emulate that diet, and she was got so weak from the diet that she couldn't even go to work. <laughs> like like she tried to copy the diet, and and she did it for five days, and she fucking passed out basically, and couldn't couldn't fucking uh go to work. Because the big uh, Khloe Kardashian left out the fact that she had a stomach surgery, right? So, so, so these these women don't they think they could do that? But they leave out that the fact that she had a stomach cut. So it's false advertising. So I just wanted to say that complete false advertising. Oh, by the way,
0: did you see the uh, did you see the official President Barack Obama paintings? And the first Lady's paintings, uh, you know, they get to pick the artist,
1: the portrait, yeah, the portraits, yeah, and presidential, yeah, so i like I like barack it was it was good, it was good, yeah, I like barack's i, I
0: love uh michelle obama's i I liked hers better, uh, I felt like barack's uh was was a little bit busy, I liked the way he looked, I felt like the flowers. Uh, This is my art review. I felt like the flowers in the back were a little busy, but he looked cool, looked handsome, looked very presidential. But I thought uh, Michelle Obama's was fantastic. People are fucking bent out of shape over this. Why? (laughs) I don't know why. Because they're not traditional paintings. They're different styles. I don't know why. Everything they do... I mean, people are like, this is this shouldn't be in the White House. This isn't presidential. This, that, and the other. They look fantastic. They're, they're unique paintings. They're beautiful. They're high-end artists. They picked them. Fuck you. What are yeah. they supposed to look like? A King Arthur
1: from, from you know, 1776, or George Washington portrait? That's what they want. They, you know, they did what? Unconventional artistry or whatever. and And, you know... It, it, these motherfuckers are all buttoned up. You know, it rubs people the wrong way that, when it's some new, different type of shit. That's, that's all it is. But as long as they had the guts and the balls to do it their own way, that's the victory. Um, before we get to Ellen Pompeo,
0: Johnny Manziel is on his, uh, his uh, recovery tour. Did, did, did you catch him?
1: Oh, shit. They all go to uh, Good Morning America. That's like, that's like the fucking psychiatrist's couch. Yeah, they, that's they where will? they
0: go, like, <laughs> I'm bipolar, uh, you know, I'm watching other guys doing what I want to be doing. I'm sitting on the couch being a loser. I've been in rehab, da 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 da, da. Listen, I have what? nothing against Johnny Manziel. I wish him luck. He's a young kid. He, uh, you know, got caught up, uh, you know, with the drugs and the alcohol and this and that and the other. Good luck to him. But I'll tell you one thing. If he gets a tryout with an NFL team and Colin Kaepernick doesn't, we're going to have a major uh, that's a major fucking problem. Johnny Manziel uh I don't think even if he never even if he never uh, got addicted to drugs and and was diagnosed with bipolar and whatever all these other things, uh he was never going to be as good as Colin Kaepernick uh, was in the NFL. He's undersized. This ain't Rudy, okay? This ain't a movie, okay? All yeah. that Johnny football, I'm a little scrappy guy shit. That works in the movies and it works in college. That shit wasn't going to work in the NFL.
1: Yeah, that's what I was saying. I was like, I watched that shit on Good Morning America, but I was like, what does that have to do with on the field? Like, you you was a drug addict. You was doing weed or whatever, drinking, but you wasn't nice on the field. Like, you were running around, but you wasn't doing that shit. That's college. So I want you to get back to health and get off the, the alcohol, but you wasn't really that nice out there, so it don't matter if you play or not. All right. Let's get to it. $20 million woman, Ellen Pompeo,
0: shit talker extraordinaire. Just a cool person, cool woman. Uh, Been on Grey's Anatomy for 14 seasons, kicking ass, doing her thing. She was in the movie Old School. She was in the movie Catch Me If You Can, but she's most, she's best known, the star of Grey's Anatomy. Let's get to it, Ellen Pompeo. Yeah. And the world is a complicated place And it seems harder and harder to find answers out there Some people say robots are stealing our jobs Some people say that the Yellowstone volcano Is going to blow up and destroy us all Some people even say that Thursday boots Are not the greatest boots in the world That is fiction, okay? That is not real The fact is, is that Thursday boots Are the greatest boots in the entire world Fact, they are durable enough to take a serious beating and sophisticated enough to clean up for a date. Thursday Boots are built for people who understand quality and want a good looking pair of boots that will last a few seasons. Thursday Boots are made in the same North American manufacturing facility as the heritage brands your parents and your grandparents wore that sell for two to three times the price. Thursday Boots are not only a better value but they use better materials also. Like the famous Chrome XL leather, from the Horween Tannery in Chicago. Do not fall victim to fake news with prices starting at $149 and free shipping and returns. Thursday Boots are the best buy this winter. They are clean, they have timeless design, and they have fantastic durability. Thursday Boots will keep you standing confident for years to come. Alright, Ellen Pompeo I'm a big fan, been a big fan And this is what I've noticed right away Because I've seen you, I've been a fan of yours As an actress And obviously on Grey's Anatomy And then I've seen you a lot uh, on, on talk shows and stuff like this And I and I had a feeling, because I know you're from Boston But your Sweet spot, let me say this Like my sweet spot as an actor Like I play, whatever, everybody has a sweet But you come off very like very sweet, very. Su- <laughs> but I, but like I was like I knew there was a little bit more of an edge to you just in meeting you five minutes before here. Like you're a Boston
2: chick. Yes, abroad. Boston broad. Saying, well, yeah, sure. I gotta be
0: careful. He's like yes, that's the first thing I, I said. Like,
2: Boston broad, and then you fucking walk it's, out. Don't worry. All don't right, worry. but I'm not that sensitive. All right,
0: but so I mean, so you grew up in Boston. Like I don't know Boston well now. You know, uh, I, I am. <laughs> one of the public enemy number ones as far as Boston sports fans. Right, because you're in New York. I'm a New York guy. New York
2: guy, there's a big rivalry, yes. yes it's, uh-huh. it's
0: traditional, it's like in our blood as far as sports. I know you're not a big sports person, but you grew up in what part of Boston? I
2: grew up in a town called Everett, which would be like the equivalent of Brooklyn. Okay. Right outside the city. And so I did grow up in a very famous time for sports in Boston. You know, I grew up with the McHale, the Larry Bird, that whole, you know, the 70s super team of the right. Celtics. So I grew up watching that with my dad and my grandparents. And then when I was older, I was a waitress and I used to work in town and all the guys used to come in. The players? Yeah, the players. And then- That's cool. And you know, then and then you get to see who's cool and who's not. Who, who
0: was, who was like cool? Larry
2: Bird didn't, didn't tip me. Are you fucking serious? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was super rude to me. And I was a kid, too. I, I mean, even, I was probably barely 18, But honestly. But see, I didn't
0: plan on talking about basketball, right. and you said I'm not a sports person, but right. now you're fucking my head up right off the top <laughs> of <you. laughs> Right. So Larry Bird, when he was Larry Bird, in his prime, with the mullet and maybe the mustache, or
2: this might even have been, been pre-mullet. I mean, how long was their dynasty? It had to be... I mean, eighty they, all through the 80s. Right, the 80s okay, so early, I graduated high school in 87, so, you know, that's when I would have been working my last year of high school and beyond. And Larry Bird didn't tip you. Not a a nickel. Listen, who knows? Also, we had to keep the restaurant open late for them after it closed because they would come walk over from it. It it wasn't the fleet center that it was the garden then. And they would walk over after it was a steakhouse. It was called scotch and soda or something. It's like right across the street. And we used to have to keep the restaurant open late for them and uh, you know, maybe they lost a game. He was in a mood. Who knows? Not a but-
0: tip. I mean, shit, a tip like a dollar, fifty cents. You know, yeah. like something. Not nothing.
2: Yeah, no. I think you know he's definitely feeling himself then for sure. That was in his prime, right? That is, even though he didn't tip you that is cool though, cuz it was Larry Bird as opposed to like so then i had another job at this place Daisy Buchanan's which is a super famous um bar on Newberry Street in Boston and all the Bruins would come in and they were amazing tippers
0: they were all good tippers yes so so the part of Boston cuz i'm not i've literally only been to Boston in and out my whole life um the part of Boston you came from was a tough neighborhood
2: for sure yeah yeah not not the toughest but um we could say it working class for sure. I mean, there's tough d- different kinds of tough right, neighborhoods. Right. You know I say? I would say from the outside it looked like a, a very you know middle class working class neighborhood. Right. But you know, mob heavy.
0: Oh, okay. You know, you were aware of that.
2: Yeah, not like tough, like the black neighborhoods. Right. Like what are, is it, like
0: Mattapan, Brooklyn? Chester Dorchester
2: and Roxbury and, and Jamaica Plain and all of those neighborhoods back then. You're not impressed with my black. Mattapan
0: reference right there that I just Yeah, yeah that was a good one. Thank yeah, you.
2: Mattapan was a little far <laughs> out for me. So, I, but. I think that's that was on the red line or is on the red line. I don't know what it looks like today, but so there's different types of of hard neighborhoods in Boston. You. you know, there's the Irish, there's the Italian, and then there are the black neighborhoods. Is it is it still like
0: that, or is it all sort of melded together? Is Boston still like because like literally, I don't know. Like, is it still
2: sort of segregated like that? I don't really go back there. Really, to be honest. Um, why not I, it's just not you know I, because I love the weather here in California you know um, all my dreams came true here so how did you wind up
0: for a girl from tough part of Boston wind up playing roles that are always so sweet because that's sort of your
2: sweet spot. Like, how Isn't did you? It funny, it's like uh, people see me and they're like, "America's sweetheart." Wait a second, she opens her mouth, and I don't know. I guess it's like... you know what I'm saying. Yeah, no, I think like because that's like that's what you're my good at. You're good at that. I guess it's my physicality. I'm pretty slender. I am, you know, I'm a small person. I'm, I'm thin. I'm blonde. I have fair skin. I have green eyes. Right. So I'm, you know, I guess I, my small stature. And I, my face, I have like a a, a sweet face. I but guess I could before see you I playing open like my a mouth. tough,
0: I could see you playing like. I mean, just talk. I was like, I could see you playing like a like a whole other. Oh, I mean, I'm not, dying
2: to like I'm a dying tough to. fucking. Listen Street, no, whatever. Mov- every movie they've made about Boston, the town, Gone Baby, Gone, like every wait, Gone Baby Gone wasn't yeah, it, was not Boston.
0: Was it Boston? Was it Boston? Yeah, because Ben um, Affleck, it was Boston.
2: Every time they do a movie, you know, uh, I wanna play uh the fighter. I wanted to do that movie so bad. Uh-huh. Um, every time they do a movie, The Departed is like, forget it. You know, I could have just completely crushed it because I was so in deep in that whole world. you really? Yeah, yeah, kind of. You know, deep to the point where now I realize how deep in I was. At the time, I didn't really have any idea how bad those guys that I was running around with were.
0: I got you. Because they
2: were so nice to me. You know, I just, you know... Did some errands, and they gave me bags of money.
0: Are you... so sister- Yeah,
2: I. it wasn't until after that I sort of realized that, like, wow, those guys are some serious guys, but one of my friends ended up dead, and and then it sort of dawned on me that it, it was... They were probably a little bit more dangerous than I was. And you
0: weren't aware. Wink, wink.
2: No, I, I wasn't really aware of, like, the violence of it, because they all dressed so well and were very nice, and... You know, and, and you, you know, just like in those movies, you look up to those guys. Right. They took care of everybody. They bought groceries for the old ladies. If anybody bothered you, you know, they took care of them. It, You know, so we just like in the movies, you idolize those guys. Right, okay. You really
0: did. All right, so you come out to California—
2: no, at first, I didn't know anybody in California. You know, I lost my mother young as a child, and, and I spent a lot of my childhood going back and forth between New York City and Boston. Okay. So I had an aunt and uncle who lived in New York City. Where in, are in the City? Um, 777 West End Avenue. Okay. Upper West Side. And uh, my, my Aunt Ellen and Uncle Jimmy. Okay. And my Aunt Ellen is still with us. Um, I used to spend a lot of weekends and summers with them. and uh, And so I felt familiar with New York City. So I sort of all my gay friends were moving to Miami, uh-huh. and I knew I could go to Miami, and the weather was nice. Were you thinking i to be an actress at this point? Yeah, I just wasn't sure how you go about that. You know, I was like, I, I knew I had to get out of Boston. Okay, well, I, I never liked Boston. I wasn't. Um, I, I knew I wanted more. You I got know, it's you. a kind of a negative place. I had a lot of black friends. It's a very racist place. Um, I dealt with a lot of racism, right. from both sides. I, that's very controversial when you say you deal with racism from both sides. No, I but, get it. You know, I've I've been you know beat up and spit at from white people, and beat up and spit at from black people. Right. Um. So you know, I've I've experienced a lot of uh, of hate from all sides, and um, and so I just I didn't really like Boston so much. I
0: got you. Yeah, I got you. But so when did you say I want to be an actress? What spawned it? When you were a teenager and like, you know, in your early 20s, did you love movies? And and what movies and actors and actresses were you like relating to before you were even doing it?
2: Well, I was obsessed with Pfeiffer. You know, I loved Scarface. I loved Grease too. I loved... Um, uh, Frankie and Johnny. I got loved you. all those movies. I was obsessed with Pacino and Pfeiffer together.
0: Got you. Um,
2: so I definitely like. She was who I idolized. I got you. And um, I love the old movies too, though.
0: Like um, go you know, Betty Davis. Okay. And all
2: of those movies. Okay. All about Eve was okay. my favorite movie. My uncle Jimmy showed me all about Eve. That, okay. I think that was the first movie i ever saw and it
0: it, it resonated with you yes audience.
2: for sure for okay. sure yeah and it was super dramatic you know i suffered a trauma as a child so i had all this angst and sadness and i thought you know that's definitely going to be a way for me to work it out
0: i got you you know um and and then how do you wind up in los angeles finally um and start doing it
2: i uh so i was in new york and i was uh auditioning for things and um Steven Spielberg had sort of been, um, you know, a a champion of mine. Really? The first job I ever did was a commercial, right? It was a a L'Oreal hair commercial. Okay. And uh, it aired the first time. And then the next day, my agent called and said... I I happened to be sitting at her desk. And someone from Steven's office called and said he wants to meet you. Off a fucking commercial? Yeah, off a hair commercial. That's crazy. I know, I know. And so... Were you like, what the fuck? Like, you think this is a joke? And I was like, well... It was it was very interesting moment for me because I was so afraid always to like how do you become an actress? How do you start? I can't move to LA. I can't do this. And like I moved to New York, I got a bartending job because that's what I did, that's what I knew how to do. And and an agent approached me. I was only working there for like 3 weeks. An agent approached me. She was like, "I'm an agent." Whatever. I was like, "Yeah, whatever." I thought she was like trying to hit on me or something. Uh-huh. I didn't even know. And then I went and saw her. She was wrote down three addresses. She said, go to these places. And they were auditions. You know, I didn't know really what I was doing. right? And they were all like three national commercials. And I went to all of them. And she called me back four days later. She was like, listen, kid, I don't know who you are, but you, this is crazy because you have callbacks for all these commercials. And then I went to the callbacks and then she called me back and she was like, kid, you're on fire. You booked all those commercials. That's crazy. And- and I was like, damn, why did I wait so long? Because I was 26 mm-hmm. when this happened, right? Mm-hmm. So I was like, wow. Had I known it was going to be so easy, <laughs> I should have done this shit when I was 19. Right, right, right. right. But um,
0: Especially with national commercials.
2: Yeah, yeah. So then I was doing commercials, and, and then Steven saw the commercial, and then I said, oh, okay, well, I'm getting some looks. You know, um, this is good. But then I, I kicked around, and, and, and some people were like, oh, you should move out to L.A., my agent, actually, at the time. Who she's not in the business anymore, but she moved out to L.A., and she was like, you should come with me, and I went out, and, and I wasn't, I did not fit in out here at all. I didn't look like the other girls. I didn't have fake boobs. I didn't have a tan. I wasn't wearing mini skirts and high heels to right. auditions. Right, You know, I was like wearing my Adidas and my baggy jeans and right. no makeup and kind of tomboyish. right. And she, I would go into auditions, and and she would call me, and she'd be, she'd say, "Did you go?" And I'd say, "Yeah, I went to the audition." And she'd say, "Oh, they don't remember you." I'd say, "Okay." <laughs> they don't, they literally you're like,
0: making no impact. I was making no impression, no
2: impact. I was like auditioning for like Dawson's Creek, right? Okay, and like making no impact. Um, and so then I um, I I came, I went back to New York, and I would get put on tape for things, and then directors would just. And then I got this – A.V. Kaufman, who I'm sure you know, is a big casting director from New York, called me one day, and she was like, I heard you're in L.A. I need you to go read for this movie for me. And I said, okay, and I read the sides. And, of course, like all actors, I'm like the worst of them. I'm like, this part isn't right for me. I'm not going to be good at this. This is terrible. Why do you think I should do this? She was, you know, Ellen, just shut up and just go, please. Uh So I go, and I end up getting the movie. And And which was – Moonlight Mile right um, and with it, young
0: Jake Gyllenhaal with young
2: Jake Gyllenhaal who I had met like two weeks earlier on the street uh-huh. I was sitting outside of Jones on 3rd uh-huh. and, Uh huh. and and he came up to my car and was like you're so beautiful And I, that he was his was,
0: pickup line yeah he was would he start with you're so beautiful well,
2: he yeah, like that he would make women is, swoon
0: think, now like yeah, young yeah I mean, no
2: I think he said like you're the most beautiful girl I've ever seen or something it the was the fucking very opening line yeah it was very smooth with but, the eyes and all that with shit with the eyes but he wasn't Jake Gyllenhaal but still so but I had no idea who he was right so
0: like, beat it, asshole. And
2: no, actually, it was like, oh, my God, this sweet kid. Because, like, by the way, now I'm 30. Okay, he's right? younger. He's younger. He's, right. like, 19. I got and I'm you. I'm 30. Right. So I said, listen, I'm going to tell you two things. No, Number one, I'm probably older than you think I am.
0: Because
2: uh, I looked super young. And number two, don't be embarrassed because you made my day. Because I kind of was like, you know... Yeah, yeah, that's cute. You know, I gotta go. But
0: he was just a guy then. He, no, he did shit then. Yeah, he was, was
2: he was doing Donnie Darko and he was filming all those movies or had just right. wrapped but those movies. he wasn't movies. Jake Gyllenhaal. No way. No one knew. and had okay. no idea who he was. Okay. He was definitely adorable, but... He's just a smooth motherfucker on yeah, the street. yeah. And I just knew he was younger and I sort of, you know... How to get out of it in a nice way? I because you. I knew he was a lot younger. I got. And I you. didn't want him to feel bad because I was having a terrible day.
0: I got you. I
2: moved to LA. I had it was car. But you remember? I had nowhere. I had no idea how to get to auditions. Right. Yo, know, this was before ways and right. you know, we those Thomas guys. Yes, and
0: I know. Tom, Thomas guy. If you if you don't know what it is, it was it was like a, a three inch telephone book, s- telephone <laughs> size book where you could decipher the maps. And this is before, like, navigation. I I lived off of Thomas Guide, too, when I came out here. And it would drive you nuts because sometimes you couldn't figure out. But when you did crack the code, it was like, holy shit, I could get from one place to another place.
2: Yeah, if I could just get to that place without being late. I'm surprised
0: Thomas Guide didn't come up with their own app.
2: You're so right. They missed the like, boat They on should that. have been controlling all that shit. Yes. Like, instead
0: of navigation or ways, it should be Thomas Guide. The guy who created Thomas Guide is probably, like, fucking miserable <laughs> somewhere, broke me. Like, they took my whole shit.
2: <laughs> You're right. I uh, never thought of
0: that. I, 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 Thomas Guide was a motherfucker. Yeah. All right, so go ahead. So you got Miracle Mile.
2: So Moonlight Mile. Moonlight Mile, so sorry. I, that's okay. So I got Moonlight Mile. And then from that...
0: Which is a good little film.
2: A great film. It was based on a true story of Becca Schaefer, a girl who was uh, murdered by a stalker. Um, and uh, it was the director Brad Soberling's girlfriend at the time mm. um, it, when she was murdered. And it was his sort of love story uh, to her parents about the relationship mm. that he had with her parents after she had passed. Mm-hmm. It's loosely based on the events. It was, it was uh, you know, he changed the events, but he wrote it and directed it. It was something so dear to his heart. Mm. Um, the movie wasn't as big, I think, as we all would have hoped it would be. But it was critically
0: acclaimed. It, was, it got talked about. It, it did. It got and this is t- when little t- movies, you know, like, they, I don't know, they, they matter more than they did then, but like little movies, like they would stick out.
2: Yeah, I think the subject matter, I think for the studio, the subject matter was sad. Too right. sad. Right. You know, they didn't know how to market this movie because it was about a girl's death right. and the family grieving. right. So, you know, I think that's, you know, on the business end, I think that's what happened to the movie. But it did its job by the way of everybody noticed me from it.
0: And you started getting... And so what was that like for you when you start getting hot for the first time? Like where you're, you're in a legit movie with Dustin Hoffman, young Jake Gyllenhaal, and, and people are starting to call like, And you're 30 now? Yeah. And so yep. what what was that little experience like? What meetings did you take? What was cool? What was like the most exciting sort of thing from that?
2: Uh, I was like, damn, why didn't I do this sooner? Right. I didn't know it was going to be this easy, you know, and from. So I started when I was 25. I went to New York when I was 25. So from 25 to thirties, a relatively short time. It right. took me, you know, five or six years. I did struggle in that time. You know, it's not like I, it was all roses. Every time I would come out to L.A. and nobody would know who I was. Right. Then I would go back to New York and do some commercials and make some money. But um, so so it was I met. Everybody. I mean, I I went into Harvey at the Peninsula. I got sent up in there. I signed to CAA, and oh, shit. Um, yeah, and uh, and you're all, doing
0: general meetings with this one and that one. General meetings Auditioning yeah, for with this Warren one.
2: Beatty, uh, uh, Harvey, um, Sam Mendes, all of them. You know, uh JJ Abrams. I met. Um, you know, Sam Mendes. We we laughed about it later, but Sam Mendes said to me, you know don't do television right and i said to him i met him for that movie road to perdition yes and it was a it was a an audition for the role of a waitress it was oh. like one scene she had no lines and i said you know sam you have the power to change the game for me right now i can, i look great in a waitress uniform i've worn one my whole goddamn life you can't just give me this one I'm not scene. doing an extra
0: scene, motherfucker. I'm not yeah, playing an extra.
2: But I will. I was fine to do it. You know, he was the biggest thing. Jude Law yeah. was the biggest thing at the time. And he was just like, well, you know, if, if I, this sounds like bragging, but if I remember correctly at the time, he said the scene is about Jude Law. The scene can't be about you, and if I put you in this scene, it was some bullshit he's saying to me, you know, if I put you in the scene, the scene's going to become about you, and the scene has to be about Jude Law. Uh So I was like, okay, that's a smooth motherfucker right there (laughs) who's not giving me the job. I said, but still, you still, if I walk out of here saying I just booked the Sam Mendes movie, that's going to change the game for me. And if you're not going to give me a job, how are you going to tell me not to do television? And he said, well, I know it's pilot season. I know they're probably trying to get you to do TV. You just shouldn't do it.
0: And this is 2000? 2001, 2002. and, 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 And lo and behold, I mean, the fucking TV zeitgeist changed. So crazy, it's since so crazy. Then.
2: But it, it actually had to be later than 2002. it had to be more like two thousand three. It had to be closer to the time when I when I did the Greys pilot. Right. It had to be closer to that. But anyway, Sam and I have since seen each other, and we've laughed about it. And he owned up to it. And he was like, "What an asshole I right, was, huh?" Right. You know, we had a good laugh about it. Um, but yeah, I, listen, and I give Shonda Rhimes a lot of credit. I, I think Gray's is is partly responsible for changing the TV game. For Absolutely.
0: Sure. I mean, I think the whole, I mean, the TV game, I mean, I think the, the pinpoint is James Gandolfini, The Sopranos, and that's cable, yes. obviously. Yes. And then Shonda on ABC came in, and I mean, you, she's took it to another level because, you know, the exposure on ABC, it, it, no matter how good Showtime, HBO, and any... AMC, all that stuff. ABC is everybody has ABC, right? And and now it's like, I mean, the the, the movie business. It's like unless you're doing a, a DC Comics movie, uh, even the movies, uh, the smaller movies. It's a weird time because the smaller movies get nominated, but no one sees them,
2: right? Right, yeah. like if you and look there's at- still an incredible bias, right? Like it's, it's not like it's I could though. ever be up for. I, I mean, listen, I, I, work, you know, ten months out of the year, and I, and I don't have a lot of free time anyway. But it's it's not like anyone's checking for me for big te- Disney does movies. I work for Disney, right? I'm one of the biggest money makers Disney has, right? I don't get offered Disney movies. Well,
0: that's because you're busy, though.
2: No, I'm what. And listen, they don't whatever. See, if they wanted to make it work, I mean, this is no, the they bias can make it that work. it is. But girls won't talk about that. Actresses won't talk about that. They won't say nobody wants me. Right. I'll say that I'm okay. Right. I'm okay to say that. But That's you, what it is. When you say
0: nobody wants you for movies, but in this day and age, where we are now, 2018, like movies, it's like if you're working on a TV show and successful, you have kids. Like for sure. Fuck, it's, am it's, I going to do this? Not not because of, not the money, but like even creatively, like. The only reason why you'd want to continue working in between your schedule and being a TV actress, let me tell you, motherfuckers, it's not easy. It's a lot of time. You got three kids. I don't care if the show's been on 14 years, one year. It's a grind.
2: It's an absolute grind. It's hard, hard work. It'd have to be something
0: special for you at this point. For sure. And and wouldn't it be money involved? It'd have to be like you really want to do it, right?
2: Right. But I'm saying even, you know, five years ago, Uh, I'm saying even before I had kids or eight years ago before I had kids, you know, there's a real stigma attached to um to network television actors. That's I true.
0: I agree. You know, I agree. Is.
2: And that's okay because listen, you know everyone's got to eat. You know what I'm saying? And you don't need the whole pie. I don't need the whole pie. Right. I have a slice, and I'm good with that. You
0: got a big fucking you know slice. I so got we're got gonna a big get to. Yes. We're, we're, yes. I want to get to that. All right. So Grey's Anatomy. You read this pilot. Shonda Rhimes is in Shonda Rhimes. You uh, have you know you've had success in some films. It's not. TV now where like TV's the place to be. Sam Mendes is telling you don't do TV. You're probably like, I want to be the next Michelle Pfeiffer and all this stuff. When you got to the part of testing, n- like when you're auditioning as a as a younger act, or or at any point, they have you do network testing. This is like the final sort of
2: I didn't do that though. So tell, break so that I had down. Done, How'd so you get crazy anatomy? Of, That's I my fucking done, long-winded question. <laughs> I had done a couple of I had done like uh Eternal Sunshine of a Spotless Mind with Jim Carrey and Michelle Gondry. Uh, daredevil with affleck i was trying to work old school you know john favreau directed that old school which is a classic classic. classic i was trying to work with dope directors and do great movies even if the part was small i was just trying to be a part of really good projects but i kept sort of getting cut out you know i did catch me if you can with steven eventually i ended up doing that with leo and um and he was super cool and like, let me pick the part that I wanted, which was That's really cool. nice. Yeah, I love that guy. He's amazing, that guy. But, but before you um, skip
0: over that, what was, uh, I mean, Leonardo so, DiCaprio is such a star, such of like, he's like the last of a dying breed in terms of, For sure. He, he don't have to do any talk shows. He's Leonardo DiCaprio. What is your takeaway from working with Leonardo DiCaprio?
2: I mean, listen, Leo and I, you know, we have a birthday. He's very close together. His birthday's like the day after mine. I mean, I, I love the dude. I love him. I think he's crazy talented. I'd watch him sit on a sidewalk. Yeah. You know, um, I really am a, I'm a huge fan. Mm-hmm.
0: And what about Spielberg? What is he like to be directed by?
2: Uh, my experience on that, you know, I was so nervous, man. You know, my first day I had to show up and I had to like jump in a bed with Leo my first day on a Spielberg movie. You know what I mean? My first scene was like in a bed with him. That's so crazy. I was too nervous to even know what was going on. You're just there yeah. it's like was out just of body like, experience. You know, out of body experience, like all my dreams coming true. And, you know, but it was it wasn't really paying I was I was having all these amazing experiences, but I wasn't really paying the rent. I wasn't making right. money. Even and on so, something like old school. Even on something like old school. I mean, you know, so and to me old school was I thought at the time, you know, stupid me, you you hear Spielberg, you hear DiCaprio, okay, Todd Phillips wasn't Todd Phillips then.
0: Right, that was his right? first thing.
2: In and, and Will Ferrell, it was a different cast. Right. It wasn't Will Ferrell, it wasn't those guys. It was Todd Phillips, but it was three different actors. I can't even remember oh, who it was shit. now. And I was like This is like a guy comedy. Why do they even want me for this? Again, here I go again with, like, making the worst decisions ever. This isn't going to be good. Why do they want me for this? I'm an actress. I want to be in these big movies with these amazing directors. Who's this Todd Phillips guy? But then I met Todd, and he's so nice and so Uh smart. He's Uh clearly such a genius Uh when you meet him and speak to him. And I really liked him. And so he's the one who convinced me to do it. And it turned out to be one of the best things, you know, I ever did. But, how, how
0: did that script read? Because we
2: all know how the final like the, the script not nearly as funny. as like so so one thing about that movie, which is Todd's genius, is you know the the dart scene where like he he gets he gets the dart. Frank in the Tank. Yeah, Frank the Tank gets darted. That you know they they in editing they put that in slow motion or maybe actually they filmed it at ninety frames a second or whatever it is when you roll the camera in slow motion. Uh-huh. At that time, I didn't know that that's what they were doing. Uh-huh. You know. And um and so when you see that and it's in slow motion, it's like, ah, you know, that, that was in my infancy stages. I don't know what the fuck I was doing or what was going on. I was just trying to, you know, not to get in trouble or stand in the right spot and say the right line. I you got know? you. Um, I just couldn't kind of believe where I was. Will Farrell was a gentleman. Amazing. The day Snoop came to do that song was probably, you know, the highlight of That's my crazy. career. I
0: totally forgot about that.
2: Uh, yeah. Uh, I love Snoop. Um, and it's such Snoop, Pompizzle. A- alm- he calls me. <laughs> I see. You, I see him at Laker games sometimes. Yeah, every, he, it's like, every, I see Pompizzle.
0: Snoop is like he's like he should be the ambassador for the United States. Oh, everybody loves Snoop. Yeah. All right. So, Grey's Anatomy. So I'm sorry, interrupt you because I have to double back on those two because people would be and myself I would be if I didn't talk about Catching Fire and of course Old School. Just to dip in there for a second. All right. So Grey's Anatomy. Because so, so we're then, all, everybody's going, no, 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 we're start with Grace Maddie and like, then you got, you're making 20 fucking million dollars a year. That's the, that's
2: the right. end game. Okay. So what happened was, so I went, so I got a call to go in and meet JJ Abrams. JJ Abrams said was doing Alias at the time. He said, I want to bring you on Alias. I want you to play Jennifer Garner's sister. And I was like, you're a genius. This is amazing that I'm sitting here. I really would love to work for you, but I don't want to be Jennifer Garner's sister. Um, you know, did this movie and that movie and I really wanna be a movie. No, not
0: about Jennifer Garner. You just didn't want to play this this second.
2: Yeah, I didn't want... well the truth is is listen, I had been in Daredevil with Jennifer, right? And the girl's so gorgeous that the whole movie became about her. I mean, no one's even looking at Ben Affleck, honestly. It's all <laughs> about Jennifer Garner because she's perfect looking. And I got cut out of that movie. Right. So I was like, I, you know, I'm not stupid. This ain't happening you know. again. Right. <laughs> I don't want to play her sister and get, you know. So I was like, I'd love to do my own show. If you want to write me a show, I'd love to do that. That's and cool then, that you had
0: balls to like, I mean, confidence and balls to say that shit at a young,
2: or, or he, you know, like he said, like, you're crazy. Like, okay, you're saying no to me, but like in a nice way. So, oh, so you. he, I was, he was like, what are you going to go do now? I was like, I need, I need money. Right. Cause I needed money. Cause I kept getting cut out of these movies and whatever. And holding out for good directors wasn't, I wasn't taking any money jobs. So I needed money, so I was going to go to Spain to do this TV movie of the week in Spain with Billy Baldwin. So J.J. Abrams is laughing at me, and he said, you are going to pass up this opportunity to work for me, and you're going to go where? You're going to go to Barcelona to do a movie with Billy Baldwin? So a TV movie of the week, no less. And I said, yes, because I'm going to get to live in Barcelona for two months. They're going to give me a bucket of cash, and... um, that's what I want to do. I want to go see Spain. You know, I've never been. So he was like, okay, kid, you're kind of crazy, but go ahead. And, 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 you know, of course, I actors are notorious for making bad decisions right. on their own behalf. Right. right. We're notorious. Absolutely. So we're our own worst enemies. Can't get out of our own way. So I do this movie and then this stupid movie of the week in, 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 Barcelona. I had a great time with Billy though. He was a gentleman and we had fun and saw all the sights and ate great food. And I came back and, and uh, I get a call that uh, Alex Kurtzman and Bob Orsi, who were writers on Alias, who worked for JJ, were going to write a pilot called Secret Service, and I could go screen test for the lead. Okay. So I was like, dope. Okay. This is <laughs> what I'm feeling. This is it. So I want to go do that. And then my agent calls and says, there's a, there's a medical pilot at the network that Lloyd Braun really wants you to do. They don't want you to do the Secret Service show. They want you to do the medical pilot. And I said, I don't want to do a medical show. I want to go do the cool Secret Service show. Let me go do that. So they let me, they entertained me and let me go screen test for the Secret Service show. Uh And then they said, you know, that Glock looks ridiculous in your hands. You're 90 pounds soaking wet. Uh They want you to do the medical pilot. So I hemmed and hawed and I don't want to do it and do my thing that I always do. And say no before yes. And then um, finally my agent was like, Ellen, just do the pilot and make some money. These things never go. Stop it. So I was like, okay. So I, I went and did the crazy. pilots of grace. I didn't have to audition. I didn't have to screen test. I didn't have to do anything. I went and met Shonda um, at Barney's uh, Greengrass. And we had lunch, french fries and chicken salad. And I sat and spoke with her. And I really liked her. And I said, okay, I'll, I'll do this. I like this lady. And that's and then and then we did the pilot. Fourteen years later, we did the pilot, and we were hearing through the whole thing. We're filming the pilot and filming the first. She we had an order for like thirteen, right? And and we were hearing the whole time the studio didn't like the show. They might not air it. They cha- try to change the name at one point to Complications. The next it was day originally set, Grey's Anatomy. It was originally Grey's Anatomy. Then they they didn't like it so much. They were trying to mess around with the name and change it and. You so know, they, interesting,
0: like when you it's look so back and, and at things. This is
2: also this is also my version of it, right? Right. This is also my version. of are sure getting Shonda has her own version of which how it's probably it came way together. worse, right? I mean, who knows? But I'm saying, in terms
0: of dealing with the network, like the yeah, the yeah. The, the, the stress and like it's going, it's not going, yeah. and uh, you know it's yeah. happening, it's not happening, and you think it's you didn't even want to do it. Essentially, right. you want to yeah. go shoot guns, right? And and be a secret service agent. Yeah. When did the show go from uncertainty? to like this is a good show
2: the day after we premiered we so so they gave well they they must have had some promise in the show because they gave us the time slot after desperate housewives and at that time desperate housewives was a smash right they were doing like 25 million people that was back then you're listening to me dating myself, but that was back when TV numbers were 25 million. Right. You know, people just, have hits on the air. Now they're calling 8 million people. It's a hit. It's a smash. 9 million people. We used to do 25 million people. I think the Super Bowl episode, we did like 26 million or something like that. But that was when numbers were huge. And so Desperate Housewives was their breakout hit. They gave us the time slot after Desperate Housewives. So that's when we kind of knew, well, they're giving us a great chance. Mm. Because, you know, your time slot is everything. Mm -hmm. So someone believed in something to give us that time slot. Mm -hmm. And so once we had that time slot, we aired after Desperate. The numbers were huge. And then it was like off to the races. And
0: it just kept going.
2: Well, yeah. We had one day of work left shooting. So we aired on a Sunday night. And then we worked Monday, and that was our last day of season one. So then we had the whole, and then the whole, ep, the whole season, the nine episodes would air, but we were on break.
0: So, I mean, I've had great fortune, but the, the, the kind of television sex, and I'm not even into the money thing, but the, when you, you're going to season three, season four, season eight, nine, ten, all the way to season 14, and you know, like, yo, this show's coming back. How much of a relief... Forget the money stuff, because I want to get to that. But how much for a relief of the stress of knowing, okay, I'm starting to work in August, and I'm going to work eight, nine months out of the year. How much value is in that for you as an actress? Do you know what I'm saying? As, as And as a person, because... So much of what you deal with as an actor, as an actress in this business, is the uncertainty. My next job, this is my last job. Is this show going? Fuck, I just did this show. It's great. It got canceled. Oh, I did one season. Oh, we're going to do two seasons. It got canceled. And then, you know, like to have that sort of like, this is my fucking job and it's a dope job. It's successful. And you're gray. You're Margaret fucking Gray. Like, for, like, how much... Meredith. Just, Mer- Meredith, sorry. That's okay. How much is that mean to you, like, to have that sort of, like, certainty as opposed to 99.9% of even the greatest of great actors have so much uncertainty?
2: It's everything because the truth is, is so I just now started feeling secure, just like now. season 14? I, I, I always have been like... Justin Chambers and I, who plays Alex Karev, is a a really dear friend of mine, and he and I are, are very close, and I always say to him, you know, this is the last year of the show, this is the last year of the show, because listen, I mean, I never get comfortable, because you know this business, you know this town, you say one wrong thing, you're done. You do one wrong thing. You're done. You do something you didn't even know was wrong. You're done. You say something you didn't even know was wrong and you're done. So I've never taken it for granted. I always feel like, oh, they're going to hate us next week. You know, and and maybe that's why I'm able to get up and grind the way I do and work the way I do. I, I have a strong work ethic. I've been working since I'm young. I've never taken for granted that oh this show will keep going on. Mm. And that must be why I keep doing it because I that part of the acting it was never good for my personality. What part? Uh, the the not knowing it's what your terrible. future is. Not knowing this audition, walking into this room and being judged by these people and are they going to like me? Are they not going to like me? Are they going to accept me? Are they not That's not enough control for me. I don't like that scenario. You know, to like, it's it doesn't make me feel secure. Mm-hmm. So for me, to for me to be able to feel secure and confident, I like staying right where I know my bread is buttered, mm-hmm. and I don't like going off into the to the unknown and the abyss. And you know, maybe people say you don't take enough risks, or I should take more risks, or that's not who would say you, know, you take more risk. I don't know. Who. I don't know. I'm just I'm just you know saying right that you know for me it's like. I've never taken it for granted that the show is coming back. I just now recently feel like, you know, because I know we're probably just going to do two more seasons and that'll be it. Right. But I've always felt like the show can, the ratings can dive at any minute. Look at these TV shows. Right. One minute they're hot, the next minute no one's watching. Ratings can go from 12 million to 5 million overnight. Right. I mean, those ratings on Empire dove. Yes. Dove. Yes. Like, you don't know. You can't take anything it's for true. granted ever. So I try not to.
0: So, I mean, there's been actors come, go in this show. Uh, I mean, there's been so many different, uh, you know, obviously there's guest stars, there's, you know, there's the McDreamy uh, part, you, you know I mean? There's so many different people that have been on the on the show and for 14 years, when I say great actors that you've stood across- even going into you know films, who are the people that like have stuck out for you uh, uh, during the fourteen years? Like when you're across them, like where you're like, oh shit, this motherfucker's really good.
2: Well, I got to tell you, the one that's coming to mind most recently is because I just finished rapping it. Was I just did an episode with Scott Speedman? Okay, and um, who you know hasn't been on a network show in a very long time, mm-hmm. right? He's on that show Animal Kingdom, mm-hmm. um, which he just is is not on that show anymore. Um, but he just finished his his tour on that show and came to Gray's for one episode, and and I was like I had a great time with him. I had a he great really time good. with Scott. He was really good, really connected. That's a good actor right there. I mean, another one is Denzel, who didn't act with me, but directed me. And I was just like, man, on cloud nine. So when what he, is it,
0: what was that like? I, I talk it. about forget him all the
2: time as an actor.
0: If somebody say Denzel, describe Denzel Washington as an actor, because I do it all the time. What do you see in him?
2: You know what I love about Denzel? Denzel would say, "I never, I never did this to him. But other actors would ask him questions. Why am I doing this? and he would say On the set. yeah he'd say you don't know you don't know why you're doing that you need to know why you're doing that what the fuck are you asking me for you this is your character you should know what you're doing you know he respects people who are confident and who know what they're doing and um and and i i never asked him anything um, i would never ask him
0: that question no, never right
2: right nor would i um, but that's, I, that's I, he's, cool. he's a super intense man You talk about people who have a vibration You know um, He's got a vibration Your aura, your vibration Whatever you want to call it There's certain people that have it right? They just walk in a room And you know they're in the room Even if your back is to them You feel some energy shift in the room That's a star When the energy shifts in a room And you know Rihanna has that Oprah has that Barack Obama has that. You've been around Barack Obama. Yep. Leo has it. DiCaprio yes. has it. You know. So it's a.
0: I mean, the the, the general term is charisma. Yeah. Or vibe. or It's yeah. just there's just a thing. Yeah. They just have a thing.
2: Yeah. It's a vibe. Yeah. A vibe. yeah, yeah, that's fucking cool. How were you around yeah. Barack
0: Obama? Were well, you around? Did, did you meet Barack Obama? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Well, the fuck is going yeah. on here, man? Oh, <laughs> shit, man? No, because of the, show. you know, I gotta say, Wait, I think I'm the I'm only not- person
0: in Hollywood who didn't meet Barack Obama. There's fucking D, fucking C level actors and right, their cousins. Right, right. I was fucking. not he never got invited for eight years. There's been like friends are like, you didn't play basketball with Barack Obama? I go, not one fucking time. I like, they fucking <laughs> let you in the fucking White House. I didn't go to the White House,
2: though. Where I didn't did go to you White meet House. him? The first time I ever met him was Oprah had a fundraiser for this new uh, you know, candidate, Barack Obama. No one had ever heard of him. I had never heard of him. I had never seen him. And the show was already popping. The show was, was popping. And, uh, and we went up to Oprah's estate in Montecito, 40 acres, beautiful place. And I had done Oprah show a couple times got because you. of my show, and we got invited. And it was this smooth, smooth dude in a suit, smoking a cigarette. And I was like, "That's the guy." And that was him. And that was that was the first time I ever met him. And then um, that's cool yeah it was it was really it was really cool. I was like, this is amazing and I was you know on board right away, obviously I think Stevie Wonder performed and Oprah had like a big you know she had a big fundraiser at, at, up at her place for him and then and then I met him another time in New york city um it was a very small little cocktail reception with only like ten people and uh yeah, that's really cool you know I've met because of the show right I've met i've spoken to bill clinton on the phone
0: and he uh, on the phone yeah not in real life
2: not in real life
0: because uh, i met him and let me tell you something uh-huh that motherfucker is a charm i met yes. him we talked for about two minutes but i guess soon like, he was just talking about movies like i was like oh shit bill he's like i liked you and this justified and i was like i get it i was right. like this fucking guy yeah. with his blue eyes and his shit i was like yeah, oh yeah. shit yep but I mean, you talk about vibrations going to yeah. the Denzel and all, but like, you know, there's just certain... And it's it's not necessarily the best looking person. It's just a, I don't know, like a coolness or a, a charisma. It's just yeah. charisma. Charisma. It's like Miles Davis wasn't the best trumpeter. But every, if you ask who's the most famous, it's Miles Davis. Because mm-hmm. he's just the way he's whole thing. His mm-hmm. name's Miles Davis. Right. So going to the Denzel, so... Aside from that, when he's directing you on the show, like, what else you got for me? Because that's like my, like, I mean, that's like my oh, guy. Oh, please.
2: And, you know, so Debbie Allen, who's our executive producer, who's very friend, who's good friends with Denzel, she got him to come. And, you know, she didn't want to tell me for, you know, I know she was trying to get him, but she didn't want to tell me and he was getting ready to direct Fences. And so I think, you know, it was just a good little warm-up for him. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't doing anything at that particular, mm-hmm. that couple of weeks, mm-hmm. he was free. And, you know, Debbie Allen can pretty much get anyone to do anything. Mm-hmm. So when she finally dropped the news, I was just like, what? What? Are you
0: kidding? And, me? and he comes on set and he's directing an episode of Grey's Anatomy. Yes. And be honest, I mean Grey's Anatomy. This is the highest of highest network shows. But the director on a TV show, it's like it's a revolving door. Yes. yes. I mean, obviously, you guys have probably have a family of people that do it. Yes. But like in the early, like I know when I've done television, it's like, oh, who the fuck is directing? And you're like, I've done this forty eight episodes. You're not going to be able to tell me,
2: right? I mean, listen, certain people shouldn't come in and tell us, but certain people should. Right. Because, listen, we're on a wheel, right? We're on the hamster wheel, and no one can get into bad habits the way network. 24-episode TV actors can get into bad habits, right? Just because you just... It's like punching a clock. You know, we're doing the same thing every day. We're saying the same kind of dialogue. We're wearing the same clothes. We never step out of our comfort zone, Mm -hmm. so we do get bad habits. Mm -hmm. So you do... It it would be nice if someone would come in and say, hey, listen, you know, stop moving your head so much or Mm -hmm. stop throwing your hand around because I notice that's something you do to emphasize and you Mm -hmm. don't need to do that. Um, So... You know, but he, yeah, Denzel came on, you know, we're a locomotive. We're filming 24 episodes, but Debbie was with him the whole way, uh-huh. you know, and the episode was Meredith centric. It was really just me and a couple of other characters. It wasn't everybody in the episode. I, I was beaten up by an epileptic patient, uh-huh. which is a true story that we took from this video we found about a nurse who was attacked okay. by uh, someone having an epileptic seizure. Okay. And uh so it was based on true events that we had a video of a security video from a hospital. I got you. So we had this and uh and yeah that's you know one of the hi- the other highlights. I mean my path has been an interesting one in all the ways I didn't expect it. I got you. You know I, I wanted to do this and I wanted to do that but even though I've been on the show for so long and and, and that wouldn't appear from the outside <laughs> to be the most creative path. I have an awful lot of my boxes checked. Fuck yeah. I've worked with Leo. I've worked with Spielberg. I've worked with TenZang. I I don't know why you're downplaying it. I mean, it's fucking awesome. You
0: know, I don't know. I just, you know. I mean, it's, especially where we are now. It's like, you got people, you know, that come out of nowhere. They're fucking, like Justin Bieber. Think Uh about Justin Bieber. Okay. He's a fucking kid on YouTube playing, and now he's Justin Bieber. Right. Like, and that's. How many years ago? Now you have people like it's YouTube, this and musicians, this and like you don't even need to like go to a record executive. You could go on Instagram and get it. You could sing, and the next thing you know, I mean, actors. I I encourage young actors like, well, I'm not getting work. I'm like, go on Instagram, do scenes. We'll fucking find you. Yeah, just the same way they find rappers and musicians. Go on YouTube, do scenes from Shakespeare, do scenes from Goodfellas or whatever the hell you're into. You'll get if you're good you you there's so many ways to be found so i mean i mean in in your career and then then this article that like was a couple like about a month ago that obviously it, it was it was uh, choreographed in terms of like you went out of your way to like make a statement about all the stuff with uh women's empowerment in television and and there's you know there's been so much talk about gender gap and gender pay um and i remember i i was texting you and i didn't I hadn't seen the article and it's like Oh shit. Ellen Pompeo is making 20 million dollars a year from the show. So, forget about the uncertainty. Like, here's a question. Like you say, "Oh, what would you do if you got 20 million dollars?" <laughs> what the fuck would you do if you get 20? Tw- How did you want like I mean, obviously you've earned it in the show 14 years and 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 the show's collectively brought in 3 billion dollars. Over 3 billion. So, yeah. so just talk to me about that. How does that feel in terms of you know, as a, as a statement for a woman, as a statement for a woman in television, and just as a motherfucker from Boston who was a waitress who didn't get a tip from Larry Bird. Like, all, all of it.
2: Yeah, I mean, listen, I just think that, Um, I mean, I don't know. I don't know what to say. I I know a, a lot of women have come up to me. I'm very, first all, I want to say that I'm very grateful for the way the article was perceived.
0: Yeah, because that's what I'm saying, choreographed asked, in terms of, it wasn't, you, and you should have a hand in it.
2: But still, but still, listen, I, I happen to be a, a very authentic person person, right? I pride myself on being authentic and telling the truth and speaking my mind because I feel like one of the things that bothers me about society politics show business is that everybody's trying to instagram everybody's trying to present this image that's better than Mm -hmm. right everybody's trying to present what image they want you to see of Mm -hmm. them and my goal is always to try to be as authentic as possible Mm -hmm. so in my quest for authenticity listen i run my mouth right? right i say how i feel and we know that can go sideways real quick yes right so i am grateful that I don't know. I don't run my mouth at all, Ellen. (laughs) I'm grateful that the response has been as positive as it has been Mm -hmm. because I did do it with the best intentions mm-hmm. and tried to do it in a in a humble, truthful way mm-hmm. to inspire other women. But you never know how shit's going to come across. So I want to say first that I'm very grateful to the response that for the response that I've had because everybody has been very inspired by it, and the women coming up to me have really been. It's been a very moving experience. That's cool to know that you inspire people and that you move people in the business and just fans, just in yeah, general, for sure. Just other women in business now. I get into tricky situations because, you know, it's like, I, yeah, I had the balls to ask for that money. And I had the balls to stand my ground in that way because I had those numbers. Right. Right. I had two things. I had the numbers. CAA, my agency, put together a package for me and told me what the show has made out there in the universe. Was this in your head? Like, I'm not getting paid enough? No, 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 not at all. So, you know, when you're doing this this long, right, Shonda had made the move to to Netflix. And, you know, if she's not going to be at the helm...
0: Shonda made, she made the deal to for she's doing her own thing in net, uh, Netflix. Yeah, she
2: left her deal at ABC right. and is now going to be in business making television shows for Netflix. Got you. So with Shonda not at the helm anymore, well, you know, it's like, do I still want to be involved in this? And what is the show going to look like without Shonda's involvement, mm-hmm. right? How far away was she going to step? Mm-hmm. Because... You know, I'm ride or die for her, Mm -hmm. but I don't know about someone else coming in. Like, what is that? What is this going to look like? Mm -hmm. So we, we Shonda and I spoke and, you know, the show makes a lot of money for a lot of people, her and me, you know, residual wise, everything wise. So, you know, I'm super realistic. I'm 48 years old. I have three kids. I work four minutes from my house. It's a great job. Um, And, and so I said, you know, yeah, we want to keep this going. What's it, what do you want? Do you want to keep it going? I Mm -hmm. said to her and she said, yes, I absolutely want to keep it going. And do you want to keep it going? Okay. I want to keep it going if you want to keep it going. So what do we both need to keep it going? Got you. And I was like, listen, I directed this year. Um, I liked that. It did take me away from my kids and it's hard work, but I really haven't done anything in 14 years, and I'm getting really itchy. And I got some, you know, cool offers from some other um, streaming places. Mm-hmm. Um, I got, I, I had a couple of super cool series thrown at me, and I was like, "Oh, so she's stepping away. This is the time where I could step away." Right. There's a couple people looking at me, and this, you know, it might, this might be the time. I got you. But. Then, I said, then she said to myself, you know, what's it going to take? And I was like, well, I need to be empowered. I need to feel like an ownership of this show and I need to grow in business. Ownership in terms of financial? Yes, financial right. ownership of the right. show. And you don't want to just be an
0: actress. Right,
2: right, right. Which I've had ownership over the show before, but just not as big a piece. I got you. Um. And I think that, yeah, the acting thing was kind of, I outgrew it. You know, I, I told you before I do houses, that's sort of my creative outlet. Mm-hmm. I love home design and mm-hmm. um, construction and all of that, but I guess the acting thing was never... I don't know I feel like I've done so much of it I guess my acting bulb is kind of burnt I got you so I was like but if I can stay here and I can direct and I can produce and I can produce other shows and ABC is going to give me a deal and let me make create other because really I've had a master class in making television right right? is really I have my master's degree in making one hour drama I know everything about it so and that's in the business side of it now is what's interesting to me I got you you know acting is cool Uh, I'm say i never want to do it again or i wouldn't want to do it but it's a young girl's game you got to get on a plane you got to travel you got to live in canada for eight weeks you got to roll around in the mud take your clothes off you know walk across a glacier mm-hmm. then you got to put on a dress and parade yourself on a red carpet like a pony and, right. and promote it right it's hard work right. at, at being an actress right. or actor it's hard right i think it's harder for actresses than it mm-hmm. is for actors you i know? agree the conditions, what you're meant to do, the shit you have to put up with, and there, there's an
0: expiration date for, for, for the majority of, of women. It's yeah. that's just the way it is, especially if you if you started working when you're young.
2: Yeah, you for know, sure. like it's just just the way it is. So I like the business side of it now. So I was like, this is cool. This is a cool place for me to transition at 48 to transition more into the business side. And, you know, produce the show and help produce a spinoff and and produce other shows. And so I'm more trying to move my business into that now. I
0: got you. And and so what has been the response in just in terms of like when you like see this in print – Ellen Pompeo's making twenty million dollars an episode, and like, what are we buying? Are we buying planes? Are we buying like a car? <laughs> like, like if you're around your friends, are they like, nah bitch, I'm not paying for lunch." Like, <laughs> well, like, how, well, like, what has been the sort of the fallout from everybody knowing, you know, you make twenty fucking million dollars, I'm not fucking paying for the for the salad. You could no, pay no, for the I salad. I always
2: have to pay for the salad. That's <laughs> the fallout. I always have to pay <laughs> for the salad, and <laughs> I'm happy to, you know, right. Um, listen, if you, you know, I, I feel like my whole life. You know, people have been generous with me. This town has been generous with me. People have been generous to me generous of spirit the fans to watch the show for this long you know the universe has been good to me and i have to be good to the universe back right Right. and that's what feels good and that's the right thing to do so um you know it's a little awkward to have your pay out there like that that's typically not something i'd be because i was going to ask you to borrow 20
0: bucks a day yeah yeah like you know like that's okay fine All right. Yeah. But but you, you know that's what I'm saying. Like just in terms of people knowing, like it's. But one you thing know, g- like
2: what my business manager will tell me is 20 is only 10 Ellen, so slow down. Okay. And fly in private will get you broke real quick. Yes. That's yeah, the quickest way. You got to be. Busted yeah. That's out. not the way to play. Yeah. It that. Do you hear me, DJ Khaled? Right. You hear me, Khaled? Right. Okay. I'm sure Khaled's not paying for all those those jet lucks. Right. But, right. But that that but the, fly in private is, is that is, what gets people? Yeah. That'll drain your bank account real quick. Um. So so
0: so you that the, the <laughs> That's house an
2: expensive luxury that you get very used to. Yeah,
0: you got to be really, really. It's yeah. got to be some real guarantees. You got to. Yeah. So the, the buying and selling houses. You we were talking about this earlier. This is something you love to do. Mm-hmm. And and how does that work? You'll see, like like why do you get involved with? that? How do you even have time to get involved with that? And like, take me through like your latest house thing. Like what happens?
2: You see I, I, a shithole. Yeah. You'll yeah, see, you see always, you, it's always a shithole. It's always a I I don't even think you could
0: use the word shithole now because there's such a stigma on our president just using shit. But we're saying from a house, it's right. a shithole. You know what I mean? You got to you got to be fucking careful everything you say. But we're talking right. about a rundown. Like you're talking about a place that's it's. You like to rebuild them. Yes. And you see it, and like you do this all on your own? Or you do it with your husband? Do you have a partner? like
2: I do it with my husband, who's my partner in everything in life.
0: But he's into it also.
2: He's into it also, yeah. He has a great eye. He has a great eye for properties. And one of his best friends is a realtor. So those two scope in the fine, cool places. And then they'll call me up, and they'll say, you have to see this place. But I walk in onto a property and i either feel a vibe or i don't right away it's a vibration i can't explain it
0: i got you and when you when you uh refurbish them and you you fix them up and all that stuff do you get how hands-on is that and is that like uh that doesn't seem like a stress-free situation that seems like it's very stressful
2: it's very stressful but you know it's exactly like producing Okay. It's exactly like. Are you the foreman and shit? Like, are you sort of the contractor? You you hire people, but the less you're involved, the more money you're going to spend and the more money they can take from you. Because contractors and project managers, you know, they're all all professional extortionists. Right. They know shit that you don't know. Well, how do you know you don't need 7,500 feet of copper piping? Right. Maybe you really only need 50,000 feet of copper piping. You, you know what I mean? They can hustle and extort you for money so easy. And you don't Builders, know what's going especially, on. You don't really know what's going on. It's like when you take your car to a mechanic. You don't really know. H- how much you know? do you
0: know about it now? Like how confident are I mean, you about it now? I don't know
2: a lot about building. Like I, I don't know. I know a lot about interior design. I don't know a lot about building. And you could get really jammed up in construction.
0: Do you enjoy doing... So you must enjoy doing it. I do.
2: I'm so scared of it. You know what I like? I realize this. I like solving problems. I always... You know, people always ask me advice, and I said, you always want to go in with a solution. Don't ever go into a supervisor, your manager, your boss. I just did this thing for InStyle Magazine, this Laura Brown, who I love. She's taken the magazine Mm. in such a positive female empowerment direction. Mm -hmm. And she said, "You know, what's your advice?" And I said, "Always go in with a solution. Don't ever be the problem, even if there is a problem. Don't go in with the problem. Go in with the solution." I got you. no such thing as problems. Only solutions. That's a Chris Ivory quote.
0: Okay. Yes. Uh, all right. And you—you and you said you so you have a production deal now.
2: Yes. Well, and- I, I have had one, but yeah I, I have had one for a few years. Is
0: it something you've been working on a lot or are you focusing on it more now?
2: No, and, I've been working on it a lot listen it's it's the hardest thing I mean you think other careers are hard I mean producing is the, absolutely the hardest thing I've ever done why man because there's so many hurdles to get over explain that to what you the, you so so you have to find even the, material, for Alan Pompeo, right? the 20 yes, million yes, woman star Grey's Anatomy. yes I have to find a book I have to find a book that's hot so the book that's hot, There's four movie studios want that book. So I have to now compete with them to get that book. How do I compete with them? I have to have ABC bid for that book for me. Mm -hmm. If they don't bid as high as Sony, if Sony offers more money, that's gone. That's it.
0: Let's say ABC does bid for the book. So you get the book, Uh and then what's the next? Then you have
2: to find a writer.
0: And that's a fucking, that's like getting married. Yes. That's rolling of the dice getting married.
2: Yes, you have to find one who likes the book, who has a good take on the book. Then even if you love that writer and that writer's dope, the studio has to like that writer. (laughs) So all those things have to come together, right? And then if the studio likes the writer, he writes the script. They coach him along the whole time. Hopefully,
0: and when you write the script, you, Ellen Pompeo, and the studio have no power. This fucking guy or this girl hopefully don't fuck it up.
2: No, wait. No, no. No, He writes a script, right? This is network TV now. He writes a script The studio looks at it and says Oh, could you change this, 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 this He goes, okay I'll change this, 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 and this Okay, he changes this, this, this Now can you go back Oh, oh, we love those changes Now can you change this, 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 and this
0: because we liked it from the first one, but you changed too much. No, yeah,
2: yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Change, 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 right? He changes all that. Okay, okay, now we love it, right? It goes, that that happens like four times back and forth, right? Where they make changes to his script. Or they make, they request changes from him. Then they send the script to the network. Then the network wants their changes made. So then they say, oh, we love this. This is amazing. It's so good. But could you change this, 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 and this? He says, sure. Even though that's what, the studio wanted changed. We're going to change it now back because the network likes the other way. Change, 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 change. And then they, all these changes, the script looks like something completely different than what he originally wrote. It's now the studio and the network's version of what they like, right? So, okay, you figured no problem. The script is exactly what they wanted. So now when it comes time for them to make their decisions and tell you what pilots they're actually going to shoot, right, from this, mm-hmm. what scripts they're going to pick that make the cut to shoot a pilot, oh, we don't like this one.
0: And you might not even get out of the gate.
2: <laughs> what do you mean you don't like it? That's essentially your script. You changed everything about it that he did. It used to that be a is, book. That is your script. You made all those changes. You you wrote all those scenes. Now you don't like it? That's what happens. How do you deal with
0: that? are
2: you at the point where you'll throw
0: your weight around? And and is your weight weighty enough? No. And, and he, is there anybody's I don't weight? have any
2: shows on the air, do I? I have no weight. I have no weight. And you really And that's okay. And you really Can't don't have get everything any weight there.
0: until you get one on the air that's successful.
2: I think it's like acting. I think the first one is everything. You know what I mean? I think I get once one show on the air. I think the other ones will, once I prove myself, then it'll be easier. Which, by the way, I'm cool to do. Mm-hmm. I'm cool to prove myself. Mm-hmm. But I will sit here and say that I do think it's harder for women. You don't see, can you name... In, in, in what
0: way? In can what you way?
2: Can you name any... And I don't want to get too sort of inside the business. I don't know, you know who who your your fans are that oh, listen millions, to this podcast. Legions, legions. But can you, Michael Rappaport, an actor in this town, knowing what you know, can you name any non writing female executive producers?
0: It's not many. I mean, is it Shonda Rhimes? Right?
2: No, because she's a writer.
0: Right, she oh, can right. write her so own writing Okay, non-writing. right. So, got you. Like Mark Gordon, I got right, you. I Is I my got boss. You. I got Mark you. Mark
2: Gordon's responsible for. Um, Mark Gordon's responsible for Grey's Anatomy, CSI, Quantico. Mark Gordon's got fifteen shows on the mm. air. He doesn't write a lick.
0: I got you. I understand. He's no. just
2: an EP. Do you think that's women?
0: do you think it's where we are in terms of like historically women having caught up to the dick wolves and the marks and, or do you think there's a roadblock against women for that? And then my other question about that is this, because this is one I'm all for. uh, 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 All I know is this business. I don't know any other business. This is all I know. And I know one thing. If you and me did a show right now, let's say you left Grey's Anatomy, right? And they did, you know, we did, you know, the Ellen and Michael show, it's called Ellen and Michael. You being you, just coming off of 14 years kicking ass on a show, and me being me, most likely, you would get paid more than me in the pilot because of your value. And right. Wait, but, the, but one thing that I think has been misconstrued in this, in women in Hollywood and the gender gap is that at the end of the day, if you ain't, it's on value. Like, Denzel's going to get more than Viola Davis because he's Denzel. Leonardo DiCaprio is going to get more than whoever it is. Jennifer Lawrence is going to get more than me also.
2: Right, but back to Denzel and Viola, I, I you know, to touch on that briefly, I, I don't think that, yes, he's going to get paid more. But Viola won't get the same opportunities or hopefully now she is getting the same opportunities because I mean, she's, she's so she's, good on how to get away. Yeah, she's not she a, as is his equal in talent. She yes. is his equal in talent. But it has nothing to do with talent. No, it has nothing to do with talent, but it's it's the studio, it's the studio the people who hire the studio's perception of what's perceived to, to be valuable, right? She said herself that she was never seen as a sexual character, mm-hmm. right? That's what she loved about How to Get Away with Murder mm-hmm. is that for the first time, a dark-skinned woman was seen as a sexual creature, yes. right? So I agree with you. It is very hard to quantify what people... The pay equity thing is a challenging... It's a conundrum, right? Because it is hard to quantify the value the value of people because yes people do have a bigger audience right people have a bigger following right you know, and so, that's the
0: value of it.
2: Yes, that's the value. It is challenging to quantify and say p- some people are, should be paid the same, especially with actors, because we have fan bases. Right. You know, it's like. I mean, some
0: of their stars are some of their stars or some are not. So, like, if I'm like, let's say me and Jennifer Lawrence are doing a movie right. and I'm co starring with yeah. her. And let, let, let's say it's like she's working 60 days, I'm working 60 days. If I go, well, she's fucking, but no, she's Jennifer Lawrence. She's equivalent to Leonardo as far as women. But, she's that girl. Yes,
2: but of course it, she's gonna get she, more than me. And Honestly, she's another one. I'd watch her. Honestly, she's. I always her correlate watch them, them together.
0: I, I think they're she's, so similar. Like in term, to me, she's like a, a female Leonardo DiCaprio. She's got the the looks. She's got the charisma. She's got the net. Like she's got an accessibility, but she's yeah. also got this beauty. Yeah. Like I, I, I always correlate them in terms of, but. But sorry, go ahead. That's
2: okay. But in the instance of American Hustle, you know that movie, that was not fair. Okay. Because Jennifer Lawrence was coming off.
0: The wasn't
2: she coming off the first Hunger Games? Yeah. At that time, yes. So she should have been completely on par with those men. Yes. And the flip side to it is that if they undervalue a a female actress, if they say to me, you know, listen. You get to be an American hustle with these guys, right? And we can only pay you this much money. Mm-hmm. If you say, "Well, listen, if they're getting twenty million and I'm only getting one million, right. I'm not going to do it." Well, okay, we'll get out, bitch, and we'll just have another girl come. Right, here. right, right. So it, it's going to be a hard thing to have unless you have transparency, which is going to cause another problem because. Then we go back to transparency, transparency. Oh, you mean of what you pay? Yeah, of what you pay people. I mean, people. what you get. Yeah, it's going to be, well, how do you explain that someone is worth more money than the other person? But as long as 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 long as people are willing to, to step up and do the role for less money, right. the studio is like, oh, well, unless every actress in town knows... They only offered me a million, and they're offering the guys twenty million. Mm-hmm. So all of us should say no. Mm-hmm. So in that respect, transparency would work. Mm-hmm. But if they say, you know, Leo's coming off the revenant, we're going to give him twenty million. You can't argue with that. You can't argue with that. It's a, it's going to be a challenging. Um, a challenging thing to, uh, to cause, overcome. Cause
0: the, the only thing that I was talking about just in, in, that I felt like is getting misconstrued in, in Hollywood because I can't talk about gender gaps in anything else because I don't fucking know and I barely know it in my fucking business. Is like John Turturro. He's my favorite actor. Mm-hmm. He's my guy. Yeah. He's not getting the same amount of money as fucking Leonardo DiCaprio, Christian Bale, or any. Those guys are excellent. talk about these fluff pretty boy actors? Like if John Turturro does a uh, movie with some fluff pretty boy actor, the fluff pretty boy actor is going to get more than John and you're like well he's the greatest actor in the world the Fuff pretty boy is going to get the people internationally to come into the movie he's going to put asses have, in the seats and it doesn't matter if it's John Turturro uh, a woman or, or a guy and I just think that's one of the things that's you know like in this twitter space that we live in it's sort of like there's this conspiracy and I'm like in specifically in Hollywood value is first and then in terms of what you were saying like the Jennifer Lawrence and the um, what was the name of the movie we just talked about? With uh, oh, The Bradley? Hunger
2: Games or, or American Hustle? Right. Yeah.
0: Then you know it's different. So I mean, and you're a rare, um, not just uh for for an actor, but for an actress, to where you like, yo, I have value. You've earned your value for 14 years yes, on a show.
2: But I also have I also have luck. You know, I, I some people say you know I'm not lucky. I'm talented. Well. Yeah, yeah. I deserve all those things because I'm talented and because I work hard. But I think I would be an idiot to sit here and say I am not lucky. Absolutely. I am lucky. Of course. I'm lucky that I wasn't born in South Sudan.
0: You're lucky that the SWAT show didn't get picked up when yeah. you were playing the Secret I'm lu- Service. Yeah,
2: exactly. I'm lucky the Secret Service show didn't get picked up. Um, I'm lucky that I had the opportunity. You know, there could be... Back when Grays Listen, back when Grays was was being cast or they were making these TV shows, they were not putting women of color in the, the leading role mm-hmm. of TV pilots. Mm-hmm. Black girls didn't even have a chance, mm-hmm. didn't even get the opportunity mm-hmm. to be number one on a call sheet mm-hmm. on a primetime network mm-hmm. drama. So for that, I'm lucky, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Because just to, to be able to have the opportunities that I've had, um, I feel like I'm super lucky. Mm-hmm. So I think luck... You know, does play into it. I know people want to say, oh, luck is bullshit. I work my ass off. Yeah, you do. But luck plays some part in it. It does. I
0: agree. Luck and timing. Yeah. All right. What can I say, Ellen? This is everything that I imagined. (gasps) Really? Fuck yeah. (laughs) And I feel like, this is what I'm going to brag about this. I feel like because of the forum of this, and I've seen you on so, I mean, you've done every talk show two, three, four times. Um, but because there's parameters on it, I feel like the essence of Ellen Pompeo has come out on the Iron Rap Force Stereo Podcast. I want to say, Larry Bird, you fucked up. <laughs> you fucked up. Okay, now you might see Ellen Pompeo, and you might say, I'm a big fan of Grey's Anatomy, and who knows how it's going to... We don't know how it's going to go. I'm not saying that she's not going to be nice. I'm just saying that who knows how it's going to go, correct? Larry who? Larry fucking who? <laughs> Thank you for coming and uh, doing the show. This was go. so
2: fun, Michael. Thank you so much. Awesome. Thank you. All right.
0: I told you, we came, we saw, we conquered. I want to thank Ellen for joining me on the Iron Rapport Stereo podcast. Uh,
1: what can I Shit.
0: say? I mean, what can I say? I, can I got a couple of sick fucks and we'll get out of here. This award is earned, not given. It's called the sick fuck of the week. This guy's really sick. Lock him up. How could you do it? Don't let him out. Damn. Who fucked the dog? You what? You fucked the door? Well, why would you fuck the dog? Why would you fuck your girlfriend's dog? What sick fuck? The sick fuck of the week. It's earned. 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 Not given. You did what? No! No! no. No! Sick fuck of the week. Another poacher was out there in South Africa trying to kill harmless animals that are always that are always needed. This planet is suffering so much. So many of these animals are extinct. But you want to fly to South Africa. And kill him so you could hang him on your wall while the joke's on you, Jack. Were A poacher in South Africa was eaten by a pack of lions.
1: The Man, only I thing left was, was the guy's fucking head. Good. I wish I was there to fucking film that. Put his head on our mantle. The only thing left
0: was his head. Leave the lions. Leave the Leave the monkeys. Leave all these
1: animals, the giraffes, the zebras, leave them alone. Yeah, please. They're scared of human beings. They're extinct. Like the cr- you get
0: you get satisfaction of going to a place where you know these animals can't run away. The planet needs these animals. You want to go to yeah. there and kill them to put them on your wall? And then when you get eaten, all the way to the, they're just a fucking
1: head. Good. Good. You're That's the sick good. fuck. You're the sick fuck. The poachers are the sick fucks of the week. Good for the Lions. I would have ate his ass too. There is a man in the Bronx,
0: in the boogie down Bronx, your neck of the woods. Two women. uh, One of the the women's name is uh, Serenity. Uh, One of them, uh, his name is Serenity. The other one's name is Tiffany. They were arrested the other day, charged with beating and robbing a pregnant woman two women Uh, beat and robbed another pregnant woman like how do you uh, get to a point as a woman where you're so desensitized that 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 you can do that to another woman A, a woman who was seven months pregnant she survived this assault as did her unborn daughter these are animals yo yo kicking the lady and, and beating her for, for a phone. These people are sick. I mean, One of these people's name is Serenity. Now, if there was a Wonder Bread bag and olive oil treatment for you, Serenity, and Tiffany Nurse in a female prison, I don't know what it is, but I, hopefully you get it. Lock yeah. them up, throw away the key
1: forever. Yeah, the law is too soft. The law, if you if you knew you were going to get stoned to death for doing shit, you, you wouldn't do certain things. The law is too soft out here, man. They need to ramp the law up. Punishment. Uh, a Little Caesars restaurant damn near caused the couple to have a big seizure after the couple turned their pizza pie over and found mouse droppings baked into the crust. Jesus. <laughs> Little Caesars gave them a big seizure after seeing that. Uh, huh. <laughs> Finally,
0: and I hate to do this. I hate to do this, but the sick fuck of the week award is earned not given. It is earned not given. Sasha Baron Cohen. You know, you know oh. the actor who played Bruno,
1: hey. yeah,
0: and the actor who played Borat. He's yeah. filming a new a new movie. And OJ Simpson was paid $20,000 to appear in Sasha Baron Cohen's new film. Cash. Yo, Ali G, Borat, if that's really real, and I did my very best to check it because I fuck with you, you, my friend, are jumping right to the top 10 sick fucks of 2018. You you, you <laughs> wanted O.J. Simpson. It was so important for you to have O.J. Simpson in your movie that you paid him $20,000 to be in it? Damn. That's no compassion. There's nothing good about it. As far as I know, this is true. I did everything I can to fact check it against my will. Uh. Borat, you sick fuck you. See, I am Rapport <laughs> Stereo Podcast. Listen, as I told you later on in the week, We got the Muggsy Bogues on Friday. We will do the full review of Lonzo Ball's first uh, CD that he seems very proud of. I want to thank one more time Ellen Pompeo for rocking with us on the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. G. Moody, last name rhymes with duty. My name is Michael Rapport. It is the I Am Rapport Stereo Podcast. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. We're out.
1: Out.